go to today's scripture reading, which comes from Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 through 7. We're going to read this in the ESV. There should be ESV Bibles under the pews. There may not be enough for everyone, so feel free to share or look up the scripture on your own. Uh, If you brought your own Bible or Bible app, uh, just to let people know that we're going to do something a little bit different today uh, moving forward. So uh, we encourage people to find the scripture. If you're joining us from home, you can do this as well. Uh, If you can find the scripture, Psalm 42, 1 through 7, uh, that you're able to read it on your own. Uh, and we ask, uh, uh, definitely, if you're joining us at home, feel free to do this if you're comfortable. No, no worries if it feels awkward or weird. Uh, but if you're joining us in person, uh, we ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word once you're ready to read it. So again, that's Psalm 42, verses 1 through 7. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And I'll read the scripture for us, and we'll all respond with, thanks be to God. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, we're going to describe what what it is we're going to be doing this year. Um, The theme is deep, and we want to go a little bit deeper. And so what I want to try uh, this morning... Uh, if you guys are okay with this, I want to just take a moment to just meditate on the scripture together. And so I want to encourage you guys, uh, hopefully you still have Psalm 42 open. If you don't, no worries. Uh, we're we're going to also just keep it up here. And we'll give you a chance to read it on your own. And just read it slowly. You don't have to analyze it. You don't have to come up with, with you know, great points or understand it. Just read it. And I want to encourage you. I, I know it might be you know, uh, tempting to check your fantasy football scores or something like that. Uh, but I just want to encourage you to just kind of, it's, it's not something we're used to uh, meditating on the word of God, uh, but I want to challenge you. I want to invite you into this. And so, yeah, you can read the scripture slowly. Uh, we're going to do this silently. Um, and uh, so if you're reading it on the screen, I will, after some time, flip to the next verses, you know, after some time, because I'll do this with you. Uh, but if you want to just go by your own pace reading it, that's totally fine. It's, it's only going to be like a couple minutes, and then we'll go into the sermon today.
God, we're so excited to be with you and with one another. God, will you speak to us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, that these not be just my words, but they can be the words that you desire us to hear, that we need to hear. God, deep calls to deep, and we pray that our souls can respond to the deepness that is you, God. We thank you, Lord, so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, uh, the sermon series uh, for this semester is called Deep. And I really kind of feel like God is calling us to deeper things. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling for a while that there's just a lot of spiritual dryness in this world today. Can you feel it? That there is great spiritual um, hunger and thirst nowadays. Because I think we live in a world where um, there's a lot going on, right? And there's a lot of things that really can tire us out. You know, if you listen to all the news out there and all the politics and all of this stuff, it's just so draining, right? All this stuff. And then our lives just get more complicated, right? More and more technology, more and more information. You know, I I think I heard that um, our smartphones contain more information than all of the supercomputers had, like, back in the 90s, like, when Clinton was president. And they had, like, all these classified documents and stuff like that. And each and every one of us has way more information that than that uh, in the palm of our hands now, right? And it's just overwhelming. There's just so much that I don't know about you, but there's like a deep soul weariness. There's a cry of this generation of people for something deeper. And, and that's what I really want this school year is for us to go deep, right? Uh, not just to get more information and not just to get hype or emotion, but to really go deep with the Lord into those places in our souls that really, really need it. And so, yeah, man, I I think people are thirsty. (laughs) I think people are are really, really parched. And I think a a, a big reason for that, um, I mean, it's not the only reason, but uh, I I was thinking about this this, this whole theme, uh, deep, you know, and, and today's message is called the deep. And so what is the opposite of the deep? It's the shallows, right? And it makes me think of a book that I recently read by Nicholas Carr. Uh, it was a New York Times bestseller. And it's about how this internet age that we're living in, that he calls it the shallows, that it's really hard for us to go deep anymore because we have these devices. I like to call them distraction devices, right? And they're just constantly vying for our attention. And one of the things that you'll notice, like every app and every single website is like, would you like to be notified? of our specials, or would you like to be notified of important news? And, you know, it's one of the things that they talk about, the attention economy. They're, they're, they're trying to buy your attention. And there are people who are not just, you know, programmers, but there are people who are like neuroscientists and psychologists who have helped program these things to your uh, uh, neurobiology to try to capture your attention, right? And they're really, really good at what they do. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but there are times where I just happen to open Instagram. I didn't even think to do it, but it's just become a habit. You know, and before I know it, I do that thing. I, I've heard people call it doom scrolling. I like to call it the ever scroll. You know, it's just like, like just one video after another. You know, and not every video is good, but every once in a while you'll be like, <laughs> next one. Uh, uh. <laughs> cat. <laughs> next one. Next one. And it's like a slot machine. They say that slot machines are effective because they don't give you a hit every time, right? So you're like, the next video might be a dud, but maybe, maybe it'll be good. And you just keep going. And before you know it, you're like, 
dude, 40 minutes has just vanished, right? Has that ever happened to you? Or you're on, in the bathroom and you're doom scrolling and you're like, dude, I've been here way too long. <laughs> it's like, where did the time go? You know, and so friends, I want to tell you that it is not your fault, right? It's not because you don't have willpower, right? I'm just saying, Silicon Valley is a lot smarter <laughs> than all of us. They're really, really good at what they do, you know? And it's not really a question of willpower. But for a lot of us, this is the predicament that we find us. We're very shallow, Right? I mean, a lot of us, we, we don't have very long attention spans. Um, I have to be honest that I, I'm trying to design the worship services to be a little more meditative, a little more contemplative. So you see that, you know, we have these breaks and these silences, and it's not something we have in our world very often. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I was looking at, um, like, like it's going to be really hard to read, so I'll read it for you. But kind of uh, uh, the shallows got updated recently, and the, the kind of like subtitle is how the internet is changing the way we think, read, and remember. And, and somebody wrote this about the book. They said, a boldly reactionary book, what looks like feast, Carr argues, may be closer to famine. The internet is a distraction machine, right? Our phones are distraction machines, and we're with them all the time. I, I, I know I've talked about this before, if you've heard me talk on this before, but it's like one of these things when, like, you don't have your phone. Like, like for me, if I forget my phone, it's like a part of me is missing. I, like, get, like, legit anxious. I'm like, oh, I feel naked. You know, I need my phone, you know. I'm disconnected. You know, we're not good at it because we're just so used to now. It's rewiring our brains. And I think in some ways there is something that we're losing by being in a world that is so noisy and so distracted. By the way, I, this message is actually not about the internet or about like how we're using our phones too much. But I'm just saying, if you want to go deeper with it, a really, really good book is called Digital Minimalism. Um, but but I, I think it's, it's very interesting. The, the subtitle for that book is Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World. I, I think that nails it, man. We live in a noisy world. There's just so much just going on, right? And, and really, I think that there is something that we're going to miss out on a spiritual level. I think it is one of the reasons, maybe not the only reasons, but one of the reasons why I think for a lot of us, we feel this great spiritual poverty. Do you feel it? Do you feel that emptiness at times? Maybe for some of you, it catches you just right before you go to bed. In fact, that feeling of that emptiness is so threatening that you just doom scroll while you're in bed, right? Like right before you go to bed, just thoughts start to come, and you're just like, ah, oh, phone, right? Yo, that's me, man. I've done that so many times, you know? And, and you feel it. You feel it in these moments. It'll catch you. It'll catch you off guard, right? I heard Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan priest, say this once, that in those moments when you feel dissatisfied with this world, it's actually... Like, like, in a way, an encounter with something real. Like, in that just very brief moment when you're just very dissatisfied with this world, right? Just all the stuff that this world offers, again, it, it can be exciting and fun at times, right? But it's very empty. It's very shallow, right? And in those moments when you feel that shallowness and you're like, ah, oh, is this it? You know, I, I, just, like, like, I just feel like there should be something more. I'm just so dissatisfied. In that moment, that, that very brief moment, I think it is an encounter 
with something real. It's an encounter with God. It's God reaching out, trying to break through, right? What's wrong with the shallows? Is there anything wrong with the shallows? Well, the shallows are not the deep. And, and I was thinking about um, shallows and, you know, kind of metaphors for it. And I was thinking about, like, pools, right? There's the deep end. You know, the deep end, you can, like, dive and, you know, do all kinds of cool things. And the opposite of the deep end is the kiddie pool. Yeah, well, someone said the shallows. Yeah, true. <laughs> but you know the most shallow pool is, like, the kiddie pool. Man, I remember there was a time where I was, like, in high school or something, and I don't know, like me and my friends were like, kiddie pool. Like we just remembered what it was like as kids and how innocent and carefree. We're like, let's go to the kiddie pool. There's like no kids around. So we went into the kiddie pool and we went in there and we laid down and the water didn't even come up. It didn't cover our butts, right? And we're sitting there. We're like, kiddie pool, kiddie pool. And probably like 10 seconds later, we're like, this is so boring, right? And there's a, a few things you'll notice about the kiddie pool. What do you notice about the kiddie pool when you're in it? What's the first thing you notice? Okay, it's very shallow, of course. It's really warm. Why is it warm? Why is it warm? Why is it warm, guys? Why is it warm? You guys are chuckling. Why are you chuckling? Okay, this is a common misconception. People say it's warm because all the kids pee in it, right? Is that what you're thinking? Is that why you're chuckling, right? It's not true. You know how I know this? Because when I was in the kiddie pool, there's no kids around right? If you guys get boiling water and you put it in a pool, right, how long before that, that pool is not hot? <laughs> Pretty quick, right? And so no kids were in there. So I know that it wasn't because of, uh, you know, kids peeing, right, that it was warm. You know why it's warm? Because it's shallow, right? It's shallow. And so it doesn't take a lot for the, 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 the sun to heat up that water, right? If you go in the ocean, in the deep, deep ocean, it's really, really cool, right? Why? Because it's deep, right? The sun doesn't necessarily penetrate just how deep it is. But when it's shallow, when you go into that little kiddie pool, you don't get much refreshment, right? You're really hot. You're like, ah, let's go to the kiddie pool. And you're like, it's so warm in here, right? No refreshment, no cool down, right? And there's just not a lot to do, right? It's just very, very limiting, and I think that's true for us spiritually. When we stay in the shallows, we get very spiritually bored. And I think that's for a lot of us. We go to church, we go to Bible studies, we do this stuff, we even read scripture passages, and we're, we're just bored. We're like, is that it? And I think there's a lot of people who are very dissatisfied with the way religion is now and spirituality is in our current time because it is so shallow. Right? And so, friends, we need something else. How can we get that? Well, I want to dive right into the scripture. Um, I, I love the scripture. And, you know, I was so amazed because Haram uh, found a song that was based entirely on this psalm. Right? Did you notice that the first song we sang, Psalm 42? You know, I'd never heard that before. I could hear, like, second and third song. You get you all sang so much louder because I think a lot of us didn't know that song. But, you know, when I was like, oh, Haram, you found a Psalm 42 song. He's like, Pastor Steve, there's a lot of Psalm 42 songs. And it's, it's true. We're actually going to sing a really, like, probably the most famous Psalm 42 song as our closer, which is, as the deer panteth for the water. I won't sing the whole thing. We'll sing it later. But that's how it starts, right? It talks about thirst. 
And that's very fitting because we were talking about in this day and age, we're so spiritually thirsty. So maybe you can relate to this deer. As a deer is panting, it's panting because it is parched, it is so thirsty. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You'll notice uh, something right away about the kind of water that the deer is getting. It's not just any water. It's not still water. It's flowing water, right? And what you'll see a lot of times in Scripture is when it talks about living water, it also talks about flowing. Why? Because that's the kind of water that will really give you life, right? Have you ever been to a stagnant pool of water? Do you want to drink that, right? Because stagnant pools of water, like ones that aren't moving, that's where all the mosquitoes go, right? Where all the moss grows, and it just gets, like, really muddy and dirty. But if you see a stream that is moving, it's flowing, right? It's crystal clear, right? I mean, you could take that, and you could drink it, and it's, like, like so good, right? It's, like, pure water, right? Uh, it, there were like all of these uh, companies that would try to sell you uh, uh, like, like spring water. And the idea was supposed to be from flowing water. There's even a company called Deer Park, right? And, and so it's that the imagery of the deer can drink of this water because it's flowing, right? And it gives you life, right? That this water is constantly being replenished. And that's what we need. We, we can't just keep going to the same well. We need an experience of a a, a kind of stream that is constantly moving and alive. That comes from God, right? And so some of us, our religion is based on just things that we do that get really stale. You just do the same thing over and over again. But when it comes to God, right? I mean, if, if you really want something wild with God, make this your prayer. God, I'm up for anything. <laughs> really mean that. God, I'm up for anything. Just, just surprise me. Ooh, that is a, a, a pretty dangerous prayer, right? But that's a wild prayer. Man, it, it, I, I'll promise you something. I can't promise you a lot from that prayer. But I'll promise you this. You won't be bored. <laughs> you won't be bored, right? Because our God, is, is, his mercies are new every morning. He's living. It's flowing water, right? It's going to be a new experience. And it's going to be the kind of experience that gives you life. And so, really, friends, it is not about getting our life from religion or religious routines or what we think spirituality is supposed to be. It needs to come from the source, right? And that's where we go wrong, right? We're too addicted to the form. But what we really need is God, God's self, Right? That is where uh, 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 the, the, the flowing streams, the living water is going to come from. So this idea, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Again, that living, living water, living streams, flowing streams. And it says, when shall I come and appear before God? The, the, if you see the, the footnote in your scripture, uh, the actual Hebrew is, when shall I come and see the face of God? The Hebrew word for face is the same as presence. And so what we're talking about here is not that you would literally see God because that metaphor might seem kind of weird, right? I mean, I, I know we talk about that, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, but what does that mean? 
Does it mean like getting a picture of Jesus and looking at it? No, it's what it's talking about is being in the actual presence of God, right? This is what we need, right? Not just doing religious type things, but you need the actual presence of God. And when you can be in the presence of God, you're going to get the living water, right? You're going to get the real deal. And so, friends, I I do realize that learning to do that is the challenge. Because we already said, we're so distracted, right? We have all this stuff going on, right? But I I I want to say that we are not going to be able to solve all your problems in one week, right? Like, this is why it's going to be a series that we do throughout the semester. I want you to learn how to go deep. But before you can learn how, you need to learn why. Right? Why should we go deep? Why is it so important? Right? And so the question is, like, I mean, do you even want to go deep? Right? And so, friends, what I want to talk about is, um, like, like, why we choose to spend time with the Lord, right? And, and maybe, like, the way that you will learn to spend time with the Lord will change, you know, that you'll grow in it. Maybe you'll get some freedom and creativity to spend time with the Lord. But I will say that I've noticed that there's kind of like four different stages that I've noticed uh, of things that we go through for the reasons why we spend time with the Lord. And the first one is, um, I mean, it's just duty, right? It's just you feel like you have to. You know, I I put the word demand there too. And by the way, they all start with the letter D. Uh, And so we've got demand or duty, right? Just this idea that you're supposed to do it. You have to do it, right? If you don't do it, then... God won't love you, or you're a bad Christian, or someone will judge you, or you'll feel bad, right? And this is one of the things that I just want to mention off the top, that we have to kind of dispel this. I already told you guys, the fact that you're so distracted is not your fault, right? It is not your fault. That's just the world we live in. We're we're living in a distracted age, right? But it's very counterproductive to blame yourself and be like, oh man, why do I suck so bad? Why am I so bad at this? You're bad at this because we're all bad at this, right? And so, friends, I, I can't tell you how many people that when, when I talk to them about spending time with the Lord, I mean, it's my heart. Is I want you to connect to Jesus. Like, there's nothing that gets me more excited. There's nothing better than for, for, for me to try to introduce you to Jesus. And if you could have an encounter with Jesus, there's nothing better, right? And I just love it so much. And I'll ask people like, oh, hey, you, you know, my, my heart, you know, especially leaders, I'll be like, hey, have you been spending time with the Lord? And this is what they do. This is what almost every leader does. They're like, no, and they just hang their heads. It's like shame, right? Like, no, I haven't been praying. I haven't been reading the Bible. And I'm like, dude, why? Would, like, it's not about feeling bad about it, right? Like, we don't need that energy. Why? Why do I say that? Because that energy is all about fear, right? That spirit is not going to bring you into the spirit of Christ. The spirit of Christ is one of love, right? It's one of freedom, Right? And so that energy, that spirit of fear is not going to get you closer to God. So you've got to just do away with that. So friends, don't do it because you have to. Don't do it because someone is making you do it. Do it because, I mean, there's just nothing better in the world. Right? But friends, if you do feel that within you, I mean, it's just something we're going to have to learn how to deal with. By the way, this psalm was written uh, by the sons of Korah. And uh, they, they wrote a whole series of scriptures that, uh, a, a whole series of psalms, of songs that have similar themes. And, and what, what it seems like that they were songwriters 
for like an assembly. You know, maybe they were like worship leaders, you know? They were the Chris Tomlins of their age, if you guys know who that is, you know, writes a lot of worship songs, you know? And they, they were uh, uh, these people who were used to leading worship. And so probably for them, you know, it would be easy for it to just become a job. You know, maybe some of you have been a part of a praise team or you're a part of church leadership or you serve in some capacity, you're a counselor at a retreat. And sometimes I think we have to beware of that spirit of obligation. You know, I'm doing it because I have to, right? It, it's a dead spirit, friends. We don't need that. That needs to die at the feet of Jesus, amen? Right? And so then we need something else, right? So let's continue as it goes in scripture. It says in, in Psalm 42, it says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I will go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival, my salvation and my God. And so again, I told you, they're probably worship leaders. So they're like, oh man, like, like I remember that time when I, I, I was uh, you know, in that worship assembly and we're going into the house of God and it was just so joyous and maybe for you it's like that time you were at a retreat and just everybody was just singing their heart out to the Lord. That time you were on a mission trip. And just it, nothing else mattered but just being with God. And you just remember that moment. It was so pure. And, and sometimes like when you're feeling really dry and you're there and you're thinking about all the assignments you have due. And, and you're just sitting there and you're lonely in your dorm or your apartment. And you're just sitting there and you just remember. You're like, man, that was so good. Why can't I have that again? Right? And, and, and friends, I got to tell you that. I think one of the things that um, brings us to God sometimes is desire, right? That, 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 that emotion, good old-fashioned emotion. It's like it feels good, you know? And so that is one thing that could help bring you to God, but it's not sustainable, right? Why? Because emotions come and they fade, right? It's not bad. God uses emotion. But friends, I think one of the mistakes we make too when it comes to being with the Lord is we think we have to want to do it. And, and, and I suppose that would be good, but this is the problem with us. Our emotions and desires are fickle. You're going to want something different on every single day. And depending on the time of day, you're going to want something different based on how hungry you are, how tired you are, right? How bored you are, how restless you are, what time of day it is, if your body is metabolizing your lunch, right? Like all of these things are going to change. And so you cannot rely on your desire to be with God. Right? It would be good, and I hope God gives you desire. But it's one of the main mistakes that we make when we are young, when we do have passion and fire. And I got to tell you, I'm not as young as some of you anymore. I mean, I'm still kind of young, right? Like, I'm not, like, like, super crusty or anything. But at the same time, man, you know, I feel it. I feel my age, man. I'm 46 years old, you know? Or some of you like, oh, Pastor Steve, you look so young. Yeah? Love you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good looking out. <laughs> but I got to tell you, you know, that th- that emotion, it fades. And that feeling of like, I want to spend time with the Lord. Like, like I, I just really, really am excited to do it. It's good. It's good. But you're not going to always have it. And because you're not always going to have it, then we need to find something else. Right? And so... Then it continues to say, um, and and, and actually this is kind of interspersed in in the scripture because we just did four, but we're going to do three and five, where it says, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Right? And and you see here and you find out later in the scripture 
that the sons of Korah, the people who wrote uh, this psalm, they have enemies. They have people who are trying to harm them. Have you guys ever had an enemy or felt like you had an enemy? It's pretty terrible. Ever hear someone like just talking trash behind your back? It, it stinks, man, right? And that energy is just no good, you know? And, and they have that in their life. And they're like, dude, there, there's people like who are just like totally just trashing us, you know? And they're, they're just like, God, you know, this is so hard. I'm just crying day and night, you know? Like, like my soul is downcast. I'm in turmoil. God, where are you? You know, I feel that dryness. And what you see in this is not just um, the, the dryness, you know, uh, or, or the, the, the turmoil. But in this, I see desperation. And I got to say that for me, this has been one of the biggest catalysts for me spending time with the Lord, is really realizing that I can't live this life without God. Um, I have shared this with people. I, I try to be very, very honest about this. Um, when I was, like, in middle school and high school, I mean, I, I never went to see a counselor or anything, but I'm pretty darn sure I was depressed. Um, and I found out later when I was in seminary uh, that I had clinical depression, and uh, I was seeing a counselor. I, I've seen a counselor on three different occasions in my life, even while I was serving as pastor at LGM. And one of the times was uh, pretty recent, about four years ago, I started having these, like, debilitating panic attacks, these crazy, crazy panic attacks where I felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even sleep at night. There would be some nights, especially d- during this like, kind of month period, where like, like, I would sleep for a few seconds, and then my body would jolt awake because I felt like I couldn't sleep, and my body thought it was going to die. And so in the morning when I would wake up, and like, I mean, you know, I'd like, maybe get like 20 minutes of sleep the whole night, I felt like I wanted to die. It was agony. You know, and I say that because I got really desperate. (laughs) My prayer life took off during that time because I was so desperate. I Like to any person, do you ever go to someone and you're like, oh, hey, can you pray for me? And you're just kind of like, oh, maybe you will, maybe you won't. But I was like desperate. I was like, please, could could you please pray for me? Like I am just, I'm dying. I need it. There'd be people who would send me like, like, like praise songs. They're like, Pastor Steve, I thought of you, you know. Um, this song, and I would listen to it, and I would be like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Just listen to the lyrics. You know, I, I would just read scripture and meditate on it, and I would pray, and I would cry out to God, and man, my, my, my uh, devotional life was lit because I was so desperate. And, and maybe that's some of you. You will realize how much you need God. I'm not saying that I want you to go through depression or I want you to have a mortal enemy who talks trash behind your back. But I'm just saying, life happens, right? And if you do get desperate, it is something that can possibly bring you to God. But again, we're not always desperate. I hope we're not, right? Maybe for a season, you're just like, oh man, I need God so much. And I, I remember hearing a, a, another pastor who was going through panic attacks and I really like resonated with the sermon that I heard. And they, they were talking about this ridiculous, terrible period in their life where, where it was like me, they wanted to die. They, they were just so assaulted by these panic attacks. And, and they were like, you know, I, I'm, I'm healed of that, you know, at least. And honestly, I kind of miss it. <laughs> And they're like, I miss it because I was so close to God, right? Because I was so desperate for God, you know? So if you get it, it's not a bad gig, right? It's, it's not a bad season if it, learned, it teaches you to turn to God. And so I don't regret that. 
I don't regret going through that because it really taught me to cling to God. But that's not every season. I'm not going through that anymore, right? I'm going through a pretty chill period in my life, right? And so then what is going to sustain us? It's not always going to be that desperate soul desperation, you know? But then it goes on to say, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. And here, uh, this, this, this idea that, you know, I'll remember you, Lord. I'll remember you, no matter where I am. Uh, it points us to the fourth thing, and I think this is where we want to end up, is devotion. What is devotion? Devotion is kind of like, you know, I, I think of it for those who, who are maybe married or, you know, you see married couples, that this is the ideal in marriage, is that you have devotion, right? I mean, just remember our list of reasons why you would spend time with God. I think the same could be true of a relationship with a person, right? You could do it out of duty or demand, like, oh, well, I have to. I'm legally obligated to, you know, do things with this person and for this person, right? And that's a terrible energy, right, to be afraid of your, your, your husband or your wife, right? Uh, and, and, and so that's definitely not where we don't want to end up. And desire, definitely you're going to have desire to, like, oh, man, I want to be with this person. But I've been married for a really long time. And that desire, it's not always the same, especially not the same as, like, when you were, you know, newlyweds or you first meet. You know, it just can't be the same. So desire can't sustain you. You know, and desperation, well, yeah, like, if you feel like you're going to lose the person or if you're, like, really, really lonely, right? I mean, sometimes that's something that's like, oh, man, I really want to spend time with you because I'm so lonely, right? And that's not a good place to stay forever, especially for that other person. So I think where we want to end up with, our, our, with the people in our lives that we really love is devotion. And it's this idea that I will spend time with you, right? And definitely devotion, I mean, it's one of the ways we refer to our time with the Lord. I know sometimes people call them quiet times, but I really like the word devotion, right? So it's this idea, you're doing it every day, right? But you're not doing it just out of duty. You're doing it because you love God. Right? Sometimes you don't necessarily feel like doing it in that moment, but the whole trajectory of your relationship with God is you want to do it out of love. Right? And so even if you're not feeling it in that particular moment, you're like, but I'm still devoted. Right? I got to tell you, this tension exists in marriages all the time, where it's like, yeah, I don't necessarily feel like doing the dishes right now. I don't necessarily feel like you know, listening to this demand, but I will because I'm devoted. Right? Does that make sense? Right? And that's where we want to end up. And so, friends, I want to tell you something about uh, this scripture that, you know, uh, I, I was just kind of curious because I was like, what are these places that they're talking about? From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar? And so I just looked it up, right? And what, what I found was, was actually, it really enriched my understanding of the scripture. So, okay, you got Jordan. So what is Jordan? Anyone know? The Jordan... River, good, good. The Jordan River, okay, good. What is Hermon? Does anyone know what Hermon is? It, it, it's a huge mountain range that is at the, 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 basically the source of the Jordan River starts at the base of Mount Hermon. And Mount Mizar is one of the peaks on Mount Hermon. So let me show you guys um, on this map. So it's kind of hard to see, 
But so Mount Hermon is all the way at the bottom. And if you see that little blue uh, stream, that's the Jordan. And it flows into the Sea of Galilee. And eventually, it it, it ends up in the Dead Sea. The reason why it's called the Dead Sea is because it doesn't flow out. And so what's very interesting about the Jordan is the Jordan does not have uh, primarily, uh, it doesn't have an ocean that is supplying its water. You know where it comes from? Well, look at the picture. Where does it come from? It comes from Mount Hermon. So what happens is that there's snow that caps the mountains, and that snow melts, and the snow melt will cascade down into the Jordan River, right? And so then the Jordan River, it'll kind of, well, by the way, so yeah, right here, this is where we're talking about. So here, uh, the snow caps, they melt, they go into the Jordan River, and it flows all the way into the Sea of Galilee. And back in the day, man, it would produce so much water. More water than you could ever imagine. And so you start to see these scriptures that talk about this, especially in here. It says, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. What are they talking? What, what, what is the psalmist talking about here? The roar of your waterfalls. He's talking about the water that is melting off of Mount Hermon and is crashing into the Jordan and creating the Jordan River. Right? So this idea, friends, is when we go to God, what is our source? The source comes from up on high, right? And so that's the imagery here, is the source is God, God's self. When we come to God and we learn to be with God, you are going to have this water, and this water is it's just going to, right? I think we think about our spiritual lives, and we think about uh, uh like prayer and reading scripture, like we're extracting water, you know? Do you ever have, like, a a faucet that's not working really well, and then you just, like, turn it on and you crank it and just, just, like, one tiny drip of water, and if you're really thirsty, you're like, and you just do it again, and another drip, and you're like, that's not our God. That's not our God. Our God is like a waterfall. Right? The water is flowing down from the heavens. The blessings are flowing down from the heavens. And, and that, that, this is what the psalmist is saying. I'm just there at the bottom, at the Jordan, and it's crashing over me. Deep calls to deep. The reservoirs of this water. I mean, it's like it's coming from heaven. Now, we know it's actually coming from Mount Hermon, right? It's coming from the snow caps. Right? But it just seems like it's so deep. That reservoir, that water, it's never going to stop. And when it comes to the bottom, now it comes to us and we are drenched in it. Right? This is what we want. We want to learn to be in that flow. Right? And, and, and learn how to do that every day so we can be in the deep. Right? I got to tell you, friends, um, there was a time in my life, uh, this was like maybe about like a good uh, seven or eight, eight years ago, um, quite, quite a while, maybe like nine now, um, there was a season in my life where I was really starting to burn out. And I got to say that, you know, even for pastors, <laughs> I think that the way that I would spend time with God, it wasn't like that waterfall thing. It was more like the, just the, the, the faucet with just one drip of water, you know, because the spirit that I would... Uh, read scripture and learn to be with God, it was just like, I was just trying to, you know, do like a checklist, just, just to have integrity, 
You know, just so I could tell you all that I had my quiet time, so you should have yours, right? I didn't want to be a liar, you know? But I got to tell you, my uh, uh, quiet time, it was just in the shallow, you know? And I, I didn't really know how to spend time with God. And I got to a point, it was actually a season where we had this Easter service at church. And at the time, I was serving two churches. I was serving this church and serving this, this small, uh, mostly white church that was dying in Ypsilanti. And I was going through a lot at that time. But that one Easter service that we had, um, actually it was uh, after I stopped serving that church, this Easter service that, w- that we had, um, there were so many people who were baptized that day and confirmed, the most that we've ever had in LGM history. And it was such a joyous day. I, I felt like the sons of Korah leading people into the house of God with jubilation, right? And it was so hype. And then coming out of that weekend, I just found I had no energy. And the energy would not come back. Every Sunday, I was just dragging my feet. Every day, every day at home, I just felt like, like just, just dead, dead inside. It's like, what's happening to me? I don't know what's going on. And so what I decided to do was I went on a spiritual retreat, and I went to uh, the Lake Huron Retreat Center. And this is a picture of Lake Huron. And so you can see there's kind of like a little bit of a coast there, right? It's surrounded by trees, but there are beaches there. Uh, at Lake Huron, and I was on the edge of the beach, and I was looking out in the water, and when I was looking out, um, I remembered a quote that I once heard from uh, this uh, spiritual teacher that I respect a lot, Richard Foster, because what you'll notice, can you guys see it there? Like, do you notice something about the water? So it starts off like, it's kind of like brownish green, right, like towards the, the beach, but as it goes out more, do you guys see it? It's almost like a line in the water, where it gets so deep that it looks dark blue. Do you guys see that, how deep it is, right? And that's what I saw. I was looking out, and I could see that line where, where the water just was so deep. It was like blue, almost black. I was like, oh my gosh, how deep does water have to be to look black? And, and I remembered this quote. This quote just came to me that Richard Foster once said, the desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And I just remember that quote. And I just remember thinking like deep people, deep people. And I remember having this thought. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so not deep. I'm so not deep. I'm so shallow. My soul is so shallow. My spiritual life is so shallow, right? And from that moment, I was like, if I'm going to make it in ministry, I'm going to really need to learn how to spend time with God. But I will say that as I reflect on that moment, it was a turning point for me. But I was wrong. Because I, I, I said, I, I'm a shallow person. And that's actually not true. I want to show you guys something that was hiding in plain sight when we're reading all these things. Well, number one, deep calls to deep. What does that mean? Deep calls to deep. Well, God is deep, right? That's where we're getting this source of water, right? God is deep. You know who else is deep? You are. Your soul is deep. Guys, check out what they keep saying. We're just going to go backwards here. Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. My soul is cast down within me. This actually repeats a couple times. In the Sons of Korah, in in the whole series of Psalms, they keep repeating it. My soul is cast down within me. Friends, your soul is there. You are deep. But the problem is, we're hanging out in the shallows. 
And because we're hanging out in the shallows, your soul will not come out. It's hiding deep within you. And so the Lord is calling to your soul. Soul, are you in there? And here we are, Instagram, you know, and we're just doing all this stuff and we're having fun, right? We're distracting. And some of us, I mean, we're anxious, right? We just have all this stuff. It's so noisy. And we're just like, ha, ha, ha. We're just like, like a dog just chasing around different things. I didn't call you guys dogs. We're like dogs. You guys know what I mean, right? Shiny object, shiny object. And we're just chasing it around. And God is like, soul, are you in there? And it is. It is. But it's deep. It's so deep. That some of us, we don't need know how to access it. Remember how I told you that moment right before you go to bed and you feel that, that, that soul pain, that pain within you? That's your soul. It's just started to come out like, yo, yo, we're in here. Yo, this, is, this ain't it. We're starving. We need something real. We need something real. And what most of us do is we're like, ah, I don't like it. It's so unpleasant. And we just keep distracting ourselves. We stay in the shallows. But friends, I I just want to ask you, this is my question today. It's a a very, very simple question, right? I I mean, we'll talk about how to do it. Don't worry. We'll talk about how to do it. But why? Why do we do it? Because I'll tell you. I could tell you how, and it's really not going to make a bit of difference unless you can answer this question. Now, I I love this meme. I think it's hilarious. I first saw it when someone was like, when you ask the bay." what do you want to eat, right? And it's like, what do you want? And, and so Rachel McAdams, her character in The Notebook says, I don't know, I don't know. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want tacos? Do you want barbecue? Do you want kimbap? Right, like, what do you want? And friends, I got to tell you, if it's that hard to answer what, what, what you want to eat, <laughs> I mean, we don't really know what we really want. What do you want? Do you just want distraction? Do you just want a little bit of fun? You just want to like like a shiny object to distract you for a little bit? Or do you want something real? Something actually that will sustain you, that will give you real peace, that in your heart it will be like the waters, that the waters are flowing into and they're flowing out of you like living water. This is what Jesus promises. If you learn to let Jesus dwell within you, that your soul will become like a fount of living water. Do you remember that? Right? He says to that woman at the well, she was thirsty. He said, I will give you a, a, a kind of water. It's living water. It will never be quenched. What do you want? What do you want? The only way you're going to get this is if we get to the soul, if we go down deep. And that's why I got to ask you, friends, not just, I mean, you can answer this question whatever you want. You're like, I want a cheeseburger. I will want to buy a new phone or I want to get an A. I want a girlfriend. I want that person to notice me. You can answer this however you want, but that's the shallows. We need to go deeper. What do you really want? What is the cry of your heart? Why do you want that girlfriend? Why do you want that A? Why do you want your parents' approval? Why do you want to be distracted? Why do you not want to cry at night? What is really behind there? You have a soul, and that soul can only connect because it's so deep, it can only connect with the true source of depth. And that is our God. That is the Holy Spirit that is given through Jesus Christ. It is the only thing that can go that deep. And if we can let it emerge, friends, 
Some of these things we're going to do, these are ancient practices, meditating on scripture, learning to contemplate, learning to slow down, learning to create room for God, learning to worship throughout the week. All of these things, fasting, things that many of us, we, we never think about. But there are people just throughout the ages that they're like, you know what? Man, you know, Roman Empire and all these people during the Renaissance and whatever, they're wilding, right? Like there's so much money now and there's so much peace and prosperity. And there are all these people who are like, this isn't it. This is just shallows. I want to go deep with God. I want something real. So that's my question, friends. What do you want? Can we just take a moment? We're going to go into our time of communion. Um, but just, just take one moment to just let that question linger. What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? What do you want? And as we go into communion, you can prayerfully keep asking that question. You know, keep that question in the center of your heart. Because what communion is about is Jesus is offering you union with himself. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's going to block that union. Right? The soul doesn't come out. <laughs> the, the reason why it's so hard for it to come out isn't just because, you know, like it's shy, right? I mean, it is shy, but it's also because there's a lot of gunk blocking us. There's sin. There's all this stuff. But Jesus came to die for all that gunk that's blocking your soul. And now he wants you to come into union with him. Come union. And so, friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had one final meal with his friends. And some of them would betray him. Some of them would lose faith. And yet he said to them, this is my body, which is broken for you. And this mirrors what Jesus would later do just a few hours later on the cross. And then likewise, during that meal, he took a cup. This is the cup of the new covenant, his blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And he does this for all of us, no matter what you've done, no matter how good you are or how good you think you are, if you've been praying a lot or you haven't, if you've never heard of Jesus or you've going to been to church your entire life, friends, if you are disconnected, if you want greater union, it is there. Do you want it? Because he's saying, come, come. I, I've already made the way. I've paid the price. And so friends, let's pray for these elements that they can become to us the body and blood of Christ, which unites us to him. Precious God, we thank you for the bread and the cup. We thank you, God, for Jesus' sacrifice, that we can come to be one with you and one with the Father. What a marvelous gift you give us, Lord. We thank you, and we pray, God, that it becomes to us the very body and blood of Jesus. Amen. And so, friends, if you're joining us from home, I want to say to you, this is the body of Christ, which is broken for you, and this is the blood of Christ, which is shed for you. Thanks be to God. And if you're here in person, we're going to invite you to come to the table. And um, just a reminder, excuse me, <laughs> Living Grace Ministry is a United Methodist Church. And in the United Methodist Church, we practice what we call open communion. What that means is anyone is welcome to come to this table. You don't have to be this perfect person. You don't have to have it all figured out. What earns you the right to come to this table is what Jesus did for you. So really, the only requirement is that you want to come. That's it. And so you can come and uh, you can come just like maybe two by two. And, and I'll say to you, this is the body and blood of Christ given for you. And then go off to the sides 
that you're sitting on and take a, a bread and a juice and then you can go back uh, around the sides, back to your seats and take of the bread and juice. Remember what Jesus has done for you. And so if you want to come, you're, you're welcome to come. Please come.